0: Second Timothy two one through seven, Paul's uh, farewell letter to his son in the faith. Timothy he writes, "You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to reliable people who be able to teach others also. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus." no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer similarly anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules the hard working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops reflect on what i'm saying for the lord will give you insight into all of this let's uh, let's pray this morning shall we Lord, we are thankful for another day, another opportunity to come together and to uh, worship you, um, to encourage one another, and to hear your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, the sunshine today. Uh, thank you for the gift of, uh, of health and uh, the privilege to, uh, to be here. Uh, thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy in our country to um, gather together and freely worship you. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing upon these next few minutes. And we pray that uh, you will keep the uh, enemy from distracting us and help us to focus on you and your word. And we will praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Uh, we're looking at the book of 2 Timothy, Timeless uh, Truths for Troubled Times, and uh, you know, if you were here last Sunday, a little bit of the background of 2 Timothy, I already mentioned, it's it's Paul's farewell letter, it's the very last letter that he wrote, and he's going to die soon, he's in the Mamertine prison, and uh, that prison was a, a holding cell. Uh, not for long-term prisoners, but for prisoners that are about to be executed. And you can go to Rome today and visit the the Mamertine Prison. Many people have done that. Um, so this morning we're going to take a quick look at uh, the Mamertine Prison. This is two and a half minutes long, and uh, just a little video overview of where the Apostle Paul was when he wrote um, Second Timothy. Um, the the book of Second Timothy. So uh, let's uh, let's share this.
1: 100th century BC on Capitoline Hill, overlooking the Roman Forum. It is believed that the Romans were among the first people to start using a prison system, though very different from the prisons we have today. The main purpose of this prison was not for punishing people by holding them for long periods of time, but but more of a place outside to leave someone to starve to death or simply be executed. This Roman prison looks more like a deep, dark dungeon rather than a prison that modern-day people would be familiar with and was not made to house very many people at a single time. The Mamertine prison was a very horrible place to wind up. In. It was very dark and very smelly. According to a Roman historian, Sallust, it was formerly known as Tulianum Dungeon, named after its builder Servius Tullius and described it as having a feeling of neglect, darkness, and stench, making it a very terrifying experience. The dungeon was located underneath the city sewers, making it a dark, dank place to be, and people were said to have been hurled down into this prison from a gated hole on the ground floor. One article describes the experience with this dramatic quote, "'O Hercules, how cold your bath is!' which was cried by King Jugurtha after being stripped of his clothes by the guards." having his earring ripped out of his ear and being thrown down into the dark dungeon below. This prison also has a very historical religious background. According to early church tradition, St. Peter and St. Paul were both incarcerated in this prison under Emperor Nero prior to their execution. Inside the prison dungeon, there is an altar with artwork showing St. Peter baptizing fellow prisoners with an upside-down cross ...on the front of the altar, symbolizing the upside-down hanging of St. Peter on a cross during his execution.
0: An overview of what that Mamertine prison looked like. It was basically a hole in the ground. And can you imagine the Apostle Paul in that in that dark, damp hole, no, no lights. You'd get disoriented because you really don't know daylight from nighttime. And that's where Paul was, waiting to be executed. And he writes this farewell letter to his uh, son in the faith, Timothy. Now we mentioned uh, the title of this series is, is Timeless Truths for Troubled Times because Timothy was going through some some challenges. He was uh, pastoring a church in, in Ephesus and he was a young pastor and Nero now is beginning to turn up the heat of persecution on Christians. Remember that uh, Rome burned down and Nero's looking for uh, someone to blame. He's looking for a scapegoat. And he put that blame on Christians, and so uh, the the intense persecution on Christians is beginning to ramp up. Uh, there's false teachers that have crept into the church. We know that from First Timothy chapter one, verse seven, where Paul tells Timothy to, to address the false teachers that are there. Uh, Timothy is kind of, uh, has a personality of being a little timid and shy and he's young. And so Paul says, don't let anybody look down on you just because you're a young man. Timothy was going through some health problems and, and so yeah, he's living in these troubled times. And on top of all that, his mentor, his, his father figure in the faith, the apostle Paul is about to be executed. And so Paul's writing this letter to um, encourage Timothy and to uh, try to share some final truths with his son in the faith. And so last week we looked at the first chapter uh, entitled, Be Encouraged. Paul's trying to encourage Timothy. Uh, One of Satan's um, methods that he tries to uh, attack us with is discouragement. And Satan loves discouraged Christians, and so Paul's writing to encourage Timothy, and he tells Timothy, I want you to be encouraged, Timothy, because you are loved and valued. You're loved by God, you're loved by the Apostle Paul, you're loved by your family, and he mentions a, a grandmother and a mother who, who built into the life of Timothy. Timothy, don't be discouraged because you are loved. Timothy, don't be discouraged because you are gifted. and. Last week we looked at verse 7 where uh, the apostle Paul encourages Timothy to fan into flame the gift that God had given him and it was the gift of preaching and pastoring. And so uh, later on he says, Timothy, preach the word and be faithful in, in, in using your spiritual gift. And then lastly, be encouraged because you are called. And Paul reminded Timothy that, hey, this isn't, this isn't just, uh, uh, something that you kind of uh, walked into to help pay the, pay the bills, this is something that God has called you to do, and so Timothy, uh, be encouraged because you are called by God to fulfill uh, your task well this morning we 're going to look at a second aspect of uh, of paul 's encouragement, and it 's to stay focused to stay focused that 's second Timothy uh, chapter two uh, verses one through seven. And again, as we think about one of Satan's um, methods that he uses in in our lives, not only to discourage us, but to distract us. It's so easy to get distracted uh, individually in our Christian walk with God, but also collectively as a body of believers. And so Paul writes to Timothy, and he reminds Timothy, I want you to... To focus, you can almost picture the Apostle Paul uh, kind of grabbing uh, uh, Timothy by the by the chin or by the cheeks, and just say, "Timothy, you need to focus. You need to focus on what God's called you to do. You need to focus on the calling in your life and the mission in your life. You need to focus, Timothy." And so we're going to look at some some items where the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy to be focused. And if there's ever a time in our culture in our time period in which we live where we as individual Christians need to be focused and collectively as a church need to be focused it's right now Satan loves to distract and so Paul writes to Timothy and says Timothy be focused well let's look at the the, the first aspect of staying focused and it's found in verse one and uh, so let me read verse one again you then my son and we can put our names in there You then, Community Bible Church, or you then, Pastor Ron, or put your name in there. You then be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I want you to focus on the source of your strength. Focus on the source of your strength. Earlier, Paul wrote to a church at Philippi, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That doesn't mean that um, we have some sort of superpowers here. We can do whatever we put our mind to. In that context there, Paul's like, I know what it is to have a lot. I know what it is to have a little. I know what it is to live the life of a Pharisee, the good life. I know what it is to be in prison. And Paul goes on to say, I can do everything because my strength comes from Christ, not my own strength. And so Paul's reminding Timothy, and we need to be reminded, of a power source for living the Christian life. The Christian life was never designed to be lived in our own strength. It's designed to be lived in the the power and the strength of Christ and His Spirit who lives within us. And so Paul writes about the exchange life, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but what? Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the Apostle Paul is basically saying that, that it's Christ in us, and it's his power, and it's his strength in us that enables us to live the Christian life. And so Paul writes to Timothy and encourages him. He says, I want you to be strong, Timothy, not in your own strength, but I want you to be strong in the strength that God gives you it's it's the strength of God's grace. Timothy be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Our source of strength is Christ specifically the grace that he offers us. Now there's a couple aspects of God's grace. The first one is the saving grace and and so we're we're familiar with with uh, some verses that in the New Testament that talk about Um, God's saving grace, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, probably the most familiar ones. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And so the very start of the Christian life is what our faith in Christ alone by grace alone for salvation. It's nothing that we have done. We can't, we can't earn it. There's no, nothing we can do. It's God's Amazing, saving grace that reached down and touched our lives. And so, uh, there's the saving grace of God that uh, we're we're familiar with. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 talks about it. For the grace of God has appeared that offers what? Salvation to all people. And it's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. We just receive it and put our faith in Christ and Christ alone. Our hymn book talks about this great grace that we need to be so thankful for. A grace that is greater than our sin. The stanza one says, marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Dark is the stain we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there's flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. And the hymn writer writes, "Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin." First aspect of God's grace is His saving grace, and I trust you've experienced that this morning. Without God's grace, there's no entrance to heaven. It's through Him and and Him alone. And how vitally important it is to understand and receive God's grace and to thank Him for it. Uh, One definition of, of this saving grace I'll share with you, to extend favor or kindness to one who doesn't deserve it and can never earn it. And that's what God has done for us. God's amazing grace. And I trust that that's where you're your faith and your confidence is, is this morning. It's in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When we were on our way back from Holland, um, actually from the wedding yesterday, of course when we go on the other side of the state we have lots of family over there. My mom's in a assisted living home, a uh, place called Rest Haven in Grand Rapids. It's a very um, wonderful home, Christian-based home. And so we want to stop and encourage her and um, so we had a, a good visit with her. Um, so we were talking about how she was doing, and and uh, she's hanging in there, although she seems to be declining a little bit um, uh, as the weeks and months go by. But we started talking about uh, you know just what's been going on in our our world in the last uh, couple years, and uh, uh, you know nursing homes and assisted living homes have gotten hit very hard by by COVID, and um, Rest Haven was able to. Um, Kind of stay in the clear for a long time, and then COVID hit that uh, that nursing home, rest haven. And my stepmom told me uh, she watched as 16 people that were in that nursing home passed away. Um, boy, how important it is for all of us to know for sure that we've received God's saving grace. But there's another aspect of grace, and it's really the, the, the second aspect that I think the Apostle Paul is really referring to when he talks to, to Timothy here about being strong in grace. Because Timothy's a believer. He's already put his faith in Christ. And so uh, in the context here, I think Paul's talking about God's sustaining grace. There's, a, there's saving grace that gets us to heaven, but there's also God's grace that enables us, what? To, to live the Christian life in, in God's strengths. And to endure hard times. And so when Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, I want you to be strong in grace, I think he's talking about God's sustaining grace. That's the strength that God gives us for facing challenging times that all of us are going to face. And we don't do it and can't do it in our own strength, but in in God's power and God's strength, we can do it. So 2 Corinthians 12, if you have your Bibles, we'll we'll turn there because this is where uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians about God's sustaining grace. Paul's facing troubled times. Paul's facing some challenging circumstances. And we know from this this passage that Paul had some physical problems as well. Uh, He calls it his thorn in the flesh. Uh, We're not quite sure exactly what physical ailment it was. We know that Paul's eyesight was not very good, so maybe Paul was going blind, maybe it was some other uh, physical ailment, but Paul had some physical problem that he prayed three times and asked God to remove it. And, And he writes about it here in this familiar passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He writes, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And so here Paul's praying, whatever this ailment is, whatever this physical problem is, he's praying and asking God to, to deliver him and to, to, to heal him. But notice what he says here is God's response. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so, what was God's answer? I'm not going to deliver you from that uh, physical ailment, but I'm going to give you my grace that will sustain you and give you the strength to endure it. Someone has said that God will either grace our pain or erase our pain. It's not just physical pain either, is it? It's, it's all kinds of pain that we face in our life in challenging circumstances. God will either grace our pain or he'll erase our pain. And in Paul's case, the Apostle Paul, in asking God to remove it, God says, "Nope, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to give you my sustaining grace. Now, what does that look like when we're facing difficult times? What's God's sustaining grace that strengthens us? Well, I just came up with a few thoughts here from 2 Corinthians 12. Um, what 's god 's sustaining grace look like in troubled times well number one it 's his promises uh the the promises that are found in god 's word it 's going to sustain us through life and and we need to understand the promises of God. Um, not every promise in god 's word is intended for us, some were given to israel, some were given to the church. We need to make that distinction uh, some are conditional promises where God says. If you do this, then I promise you this. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The peace of God. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and then what's going to happen? That's your part. Now God says the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a conditional promise. We need to stop worrying. We need to give our, our 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 concerns, our anxiety, as we sang about this morning to God, and His peace will fill our hearts. But there's other promises that are unconditional. Hebrews says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And God will never, never, never leave us, no matter what we've done. And so, um, what God's sustaining grace. It's His promises, and here's the promise to, uh, to uh, the Apostle Paul. Here's my promise, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, you can't do this in your own strength, but I'm going to give you the the, the strength and the grace to endure whatever you're facing. He gives us God's perspective. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul has a whole new perspective on trials. Paul has a whole new perspective on his his thorn in the flesh. He goes on to uh, write to the corinthians therefore i will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that christ's power may rest on me and he goes on to conclude and says when i'm weak i'm strong and paul now has a whole new perspective on life and he says says it's 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 god's perspective that when i'm weak then that's when god's strength shows up not only is it god's grace, sustaining grace, God's promises and God's perspective, but it's God's provision. Notice he says, so that God's power may rest on me. Uh, God gives us the power to to face our challenges and our hardships. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about that, that, that power in that whole passage. It talks about the armor of God. Uh, be strong in, the, in, in God's strength. And then the Apostle Paul lists uh, all the armor, the spiritual armor that God's provided for us. Uh, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, and gone and on. Uh, that's God's power provision for us. God's sustaining graces, His promises, and God's sustaining grace is a, a new perspective that realizes that when, when we're weak, that's when God shows up. When we're weak, He's strong. And God gives us his, his provision of His power. But I think God's sustaining grace is also God's people. That when we're going through hard times, when we're going through difficulties, that's uh, where the body of Christ comes in. And we read in Acts chapter 18, one of um, Paul's missionary journeys, Acts 18.23, after spending time in Antioch, Paul sent out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So here's Paul and he's making these missionary trips and what one of the things that he's doing is he's going to the churches and he's going there to what? To strengthen and encourage other people. And so God's sustaining grace is His promises and His provision, but it's also... a a conduit of His grace and strength through you and me that can strengthen and encourage other believers. Well, Paul says to Timothy, stay focused, and I want you to stay focused on the source of your strength. And the source of your strength is, is God and His sustaining grace. So I don't know what challenge you're facing this morning, but God's, God's grace, His strength, His promises, His power, His provision is there for you. And His people are there too. Well, secondly, he tells Timothy to stay focused, not only on the source of His strength, but stay focused on investing in the lives of faithful people. Invest in the lives of faithful people. Here's this familiar um, verse in 2 Timothy 2.2 Paul commands Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. So Timothy accompanied Paul on several of his missionary journeys. He'd heard Paul preach. He'd heard uh, Paul in the synagogues uh, preaching and teaching. And he'd heard him over and over again share God's truth with many, many people. And so the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Timothy, I want you to stay focused on investing in the lives of faithful people. That was the model of Jesus, wasn't it, when he was here? He took 12 men, 12 ordinary men, Uh, half of them were Galilean fishermen, and what did he do? He 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 spent three years with them, and he he poured his life into into them. Timothy, I want you to do the same. I don't want you to get distracted. I I want you to keep the main thing, the main thing. And and what's that? It's it's entrusting. Some of the translations say committing the things you've heard from me to faithful people. The NIV uses the word reliable people. The concept here is trustworthy people. So, Timothy, I want you to uh, take the the truths that you've heard me uh, share and I want you to deposit them into the lives of those that you're ministering to in Ephesus. And this is interesting. This is the generational generational pattern that we're to to pass on as Paul, generation number one, passes God's truth to Timothy, generation number two, Timothy, you pass that on to other people. Reliable people. Generation number three, who are able to do what? Teach others also. Generation number four. So, Timothy, commit your life to investing in the life of faithful people who won't just keep the truth for themselves, but will be challenged to what? Pass it on and build into the next generation. The future of the church is dependent on... This taking place. They've all often said Christianity is one generation away from extinction. And if we don't pass that truth on to the next generation, we're in trouble. And so uh, Paul says, I want you to continually uh, focus on mentoring and discipling and building God's truth into faithful people who will teach others also. Timothy, I want you to stay focused on the source of your strength. It's not your own strength; it's God's sustaining grace. Timothy, I want you to 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 invest your life and pour into other people who will also share the truth with other people. And Timothy, I want you to stay focused. Thirdly, on perseverance and discipline. Timothy, I want you to I want you to stay focused. Timothy, don't quit. Don't be discouraged. Don't be distracted in tough times. But I want you to stay focused through perseverance and discipline. I think it was Winston Churchill that gave a commencement address years ago. It's one of the shortest commencement addresses that was ever given. And he stood up to give his commencement address and those that were at that commencement were waiting to see what the great Sir Winston Churchill would say, what kind of truth he would pass on at this key moment. And uh, here's what Winston Churchill said to that graduating class. Never give up. Never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Never give up. And he was telling them to stay focused and to persevere. And to be disciplined. It's always too soon to quit. John chapter 16, we mentioned it last week in introducing First Timothy. Jesus said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. It's the word persecution. It's the word pressure. It's the word affliction. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We're victors. We're overcomers. Someone once said, we like to be overcomers, we just don't want anything to overcome, do <laughs> we? But, but, but Timothy, stay focused and, and, and persevere and, and, be disciplined. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. George Perlis, former Michigan State football coach, it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up. And so we need to, to persevere and be disciplined in, in all areas of life. In 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 our marriages, let's face it. There are times when 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 marriage is tough, when marriage is difficult. But but God's called us what to to, to persevere, and to continue on, and to remember that that, that commitment that you made. Um, young couple, uh, our wedding was on a Friday night, and they decided to to write their vows, and so. Uh, they each had these little booklets, and they were quite long vows. And so, um, just gave them the booklets, and you know, they both made their way through those vows with a few, uh, you know, choked up moments. And, uh, and very well written. And and I said to him, I said, you know what, you guys ought to do every anniversary, <laughs> pull those little booklets out and read that to each other again. As a reminder of, of of what you have committed yourself to, stay focused and persevere in marriage, in, in, in the marketplace, and in Timothy's case, in ministry. And so Paul says, "Here it is this this topic that's all through Second Timothy. Join me in suffering. Not a very good recruiting slogan." Come suffer with, as we follow Jesus. But that's the call sometimes. And I think increasingly it will be the call for the next generation and the generations to come. In fact, later on in 2 Timothy uh, 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you're just going to be a secret Christian, you're not going to be persecuted. Nobody will know where you stand. But if you're going to live for Christ... You're going to be faithful to what He's called you to do. Guess what? You're going to be persecuted. Hasn't quite happened in in our country yet, but north of our border in Canada, there's been there have been several examples of pastors that end up in, in prison because they've simply preached God's truth. And uh, boy, I don't think we're we're you know I don't think we're that far from where uh, that could very well be the case in our country at some point in time. Timothy, join me in suffering. And then the Apostle Paul gives three examples or three metaphors of, of discipline and perseverance in the Christian life. Uh, let's look at him. Join me with uh join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Uh, we sing about that in our hymnology onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. We're in a battle are in a spiritual battle. If you're no threat to the enemy, you won't realize it, but if you're serious about walking with God and standing for truth, you're in a battle. You need to you need to discipline yourself and 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 be like a good soldier that doesn't get distracted. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So that's the focus of a soldier. Better be the focus. You've got a commanding officer and you better be tuned in to what he's saying and what he wants you to do. Timothy, be, be like a good soldier. Learn how to please your commanding officer. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Paul says, we make it our goal to please him. You ever start your day out and just say, God, help me to please you today. Help me to know how to please you today. Let, let, let that be my focus, that, that all that I do and say will what be pleasing to you. First Thessalonians 2, 4, Paul writes, we are not trying to please people, but God, He's our commanding officer. How do we know what pleases Him? Well, we, we do that by getting to know Him and by getting to, to know His, His Word, what He expects of us. So Timothy, stay focused like a, like a good soldier, and Timothy, stay focused and persevere like an athlete. That's the second illustration. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. So Paul reminds Timothy, hey, just like uh, an athlete uh, competes and they compete to win, uh, I don't know if anybody that plays sports just to say I don't really care about the, the object here. Or just I'm just out here to to have fun. No, they are focused and they are disciplined. I'm learning that out out, out because we here comes the grandson plug. But uh, our two oldest grandsons are both playing football for for Clinton. They're in Clinton schools. Uh, Luke plays flag football and. Uh, Yesterday threw two touchdown passes and ran for a touchdown. Just throw that in. We weren't there to see it, but I got it on text, and I actually have a little video of of it. Uh, But Shane plays with the third and fourth graders, and they play tackle football. And I tell you, um, actually, I've got a little, maybe a little upset about it because they're working these kids hard, and uh, it's their two-hour practices, and they start out with uh, 30 minutes of uh, intense um, rotation of. Uh, exercises uh, that start with push-ups then they do sit-ups then they do jumping jacks then they do deep knee bends and then they do burpees and then they take about a 30 second break and then they do that again and they do that again and they do that again and then they start running uh, around the football field and they'll do uh, laps and they'll just say hey, you need to pass the person in front of you and they're pushing them and they're and they're 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 focused and they're disciplined why because i guess they want to win that uh, game on saturday morning and and Paul here is, is making this, this analogy, and he says, Hey, uh, Timothy, you need to be like an athlete. Number one, you need to know the rules. Because uh, I don't want you to be disqualified. And in every sport, there are rules, aren't there? You need to understand how this works. There's an umpire, there's a referee, and if you do certain things, guess what? You're going to be disqualified. You're going to end up in the penalty box. You're going to be out of the game. That was, that was one of the things that, that uh, the Apostle Paul was was fearful for in his own life. That somehow he would do something where he would be disqualified for the ministry. He writes about it in 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, he says, Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. He's talking about eternal rewards. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. Uh, Some translations say I buffet my body. The American translation, we buffet our bodies, but that's, that's not really what Paul's talking about. He's talking about, he's talking about discipline. I discipline myself. Make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. You know how many high profile pastors and preachers with a national influence have, in the last year or two, have fallen by the wayside and fallen into sin? No longer qualified for ministry? It's dozens. It happens all the time. That's why Paul says, um, take heed, be, you know, don't, don't think you're, you're beyond this. Don't think you're beyond temptation. Don't think you, you know, I don't have to worry about that area of my life because I've, I've got that all mastered. No, we need to rely and be aware and be, rely on God's, God's strength. And so uh, the Apostle Paul says we need to have discipline like an athlete So, what are our spiritual disciplines? Well, there's a lot of them in Scripture. I wouldn't call them rules. I'd call them spiritual discipline. But, but how do we, how do we keep on going? Now, how do we, as Paul writes, how do we exercise ourselves to godliness? Discipline yourself to godliness. The word there, discipline is gumnos. We get the word gymnasium from it. And so there's spiritual disciplines that we need to, we need to commit to. There's corporate worship. There's uh, Bible reading. Later on in chapter 2, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. There's prayer. Uh, Ephesians 6, that, that passage about the armor of God, and it concludes with what? Praying always. And so there's all these disciplines that we need to, if we're going to make a progress in our Christian life. Uh, corporate worship, Bible reading, prayer, fasting, using our spiritual giftedness. Be like an athlete, Timothy. Be disciplined and persevere. The third and last illustration in this whole matter of uh, perseverance and discipline. Uh, Timothy, you need to be like a a good soldier that pleases this commanding officer. You need to be like an athlete that's that's disciplined and and plays according to the the guidelines and the rules. But thirdly, Timothy, um, keep on going like the hard-working farmer. The hard-working farmers should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And we live in a a rural area and um, we know farmers are hard-working people. You know, if there's no hard work. There's no there's no crops and there's no food on the table. And uh, oftentimes this time of year, um, you know, Diane and I late at night. We, I mean, we'll hear the you know the tractors going and it's almost dark. And those farmers are working from the sun up to the sun down. And so Paul encourages Timothy. You you need to be like the the hardworking farmer. And he reminds Timothy that that the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Timothy. You're going to be rewarded someday. Yes, you need to work for your commanding officer, but guess what? The commanding officer someday is going to hand out what rewards. And there's going to be a reward day. It's called the Bema Seat Judgment. Paul talks about it in Romans 14, 10-12. Revelation 22, 12. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. This is a judgment not for our salvation. This is a judgment, what have we done with our time, talent, and treasure for Christ? It'll be individually uh, judged according to the giftedness that he gave us. Some people have have one one talent. Some people are two talented people. Some people have, God's given them many, multiple talents. And But we're going to be judged according to what he's given us and what we've done. And so there's a reward day coming, and Timothy, I want you to to stay focused on that. That that at the that that someday when you stand before me, you will hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my presence. And so Paul writes the, from this dungeon cell, uh, this letter to encourage uh, Timothy, who's struggling, who's going through troubled times, and. And difficult. And he says, Timothy, I want you to stay focused. Stay focused on the source of your strength. It's God's grace. It's, it's Christ in you. Stay focused on investing in the lives of others. That starts with our own families, doesn't it? It Starts with our own kids and our grandkids and, and, and making sure the baton of the gospel gets into their hands and then investing in the lives of, of others that God brings into our sphere of influence. And in Timothy, I want you to stay focused on perseverance and discipline, like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer. Just a couple of quick application questions and then, and then we'll be done here this morning as we think about Paul's uh, encouragement to Timothy to, to stay focused. Here's, here's the first one. Have I experienced God's saving grace. Have I received God's gift of eternal life through Jesus and Jesus alone? Um, can I remember a time when I put my faith in, in, in him? Uh, for me, it was as an eight-year-old boy uh, in a pastor's home in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, uh, Some people can remember the exact time that they put their faith in Christ. Other people, it's a little fuzzy. That's okay. As long as you know that your faith and trust is in Jesus and Jesus alone. But but have you put your faith in his saving grace? And secondly, am I relying on his sustaining grace? Am I trying to live the Christian life in my own strength? And when we do that, our lives are going to be consumed with, with worry and anxiety. And uh, we think we have to do it all ourselves. And God says, no, I want to give you my grace. I want you to rely on my strength every day. Secondly, am I investing in the lives of the next generation? Paul says, the things you've heard from me commit to faithful individuals who will will train and invest in others. And as I mentioned, it, it starts with our own families. But beyond that, uh, uh, relationships of mentoring and discipleship are so, so very important. And so, who who in your sphere and family and influence, um, what younger person are you pouring your life into? As Paul uh, encourages Timothy to pass on the baton of God's faith. And then thirdly, am I committed the spiritual disciplines, do I have the perseverance and commitment to these spiritual disciplines that will help me to continue to grow and persevere until I get to the finish line, until God calls me home so that I can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's let's pray this morning. Father, um, no one said living the Christian life would be easy. And uh, this morning, we recognize that uh, in order to persevere and do well, we need your sustaining grace. Lord, thank you for the, the promises that are in your word that when hard times come, we can cling to. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will provide for all of our needs. Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Lord, thank you for the the sustaining grace that comes through your power in our lives and through um, in your providence, uh, God's people that come into our life and and help us and encourage us at difficult times in our life and pray with us and uh, help us through the journey. Lord, I I just uh, uh, pray that you will also um, help us to to discipline ourselves in these spiritual disciplines so that we will continue to grow and in the grace of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to be aware of, of the next generation. Help us to invest our time, talent, and treasure in passing the baton of the face onto those that we can um, influence for your kingdom. And Lord, we pray that uh, you will just give us the strength and the courage to do so in the troubled times that we live. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>